Wednesday, September the 30th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Trump and Biden brawl, and Armenia says Turkey downed its jet. First, the world in brief. President Donald Trump and his rival Joe Biden met in a televised debate in Cleveland, Ohio. In a series of ill-mannered exchanges, the pair bickered about COVID-19, the economy, the environment and law and order, but landed few punches. Mr Trump saved some of his most vicious attacks for the balloting process itself. Their next debate will be held in Miami in a fortnight. Armenia and Azerbaijan stepped closer to outright war. Both sides reported firing across their regular border. Armenia said an F-16 fighter jet belonging to Turkey, Azerbaijan's ally, shot down one of its warplanes over Armenian airspace. Turkey and Azerbaijan denied it. Clashes have ground on within the disputed region of Nagorno-Karabakh, killing almost 100 people in recent days. Russia, in a defence alliance with Armenia, has called for a ceasefire. Britain and Canada placed travel bans and asset freezes on Alexander Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, and members of his government. They are the first Western governments to impose sanctions after Mr Lukashenko rigged an election last month and detained opposition politicians. Emmanuel Macron, France's president, met their leader Svetlana Tikhonovskaya in Lithuania and urged Mr Lukashenko to step down. Sheikh Sabah al-Ahmed al-Jabbar al-Sabah, Kuwait's ruler, died age 91. He served as foreign minister for almost 40 years, often mediating in regional disputes, before becoming the emir in 2006. His half-brother, 83-year-old Sheikh Nuwaf Ahmed, is expected to succeed him. Amnesty International announced that it has been forced to halt its operations in India. The campaign group accused the Indian government of conducting a witch hunt of human rights organisations, saying that it had its bank accounts frozen and had to lay off staff as a result. Amnesty had recently accused Delhi's police of participating in anti-Muslim brutality during riots. A former chairman of Bankia was acquitted in a fraud trial over the listing of the Spanish bank. Rodrigo Rato, who had also served as Spain's economy minister and managing director of the International Monetary Fund, has always denied any wrongdoing. Mr Rato is currently serving a four-year jail sentence for embezzlement in a separate case over the misuse of Bankia credit cards. And Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, declared a state of emergency in three counties after two fires scorched tens of thousands of acres, adding to the damage already done by the wildfires that have ravaged the state in recent weeks. Mr Newsom asked the federal government for help, declaring that an effective response is beyond state and local capability. And now here's today's agenda. Crosstalking. A presidential debate. Americans watching last night's presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden can be forgiven if it left them in despair. The event was widely derided as the most undignified and unwatchable in America's history of televised debates, as each candidate, Mr Trump in particular, spoke continually over his opponent. Mr Trump attacked Mr Biden's son's alleged dealings with Russia and China. He again railed against voting by mail and at one point encouraged right-wing troublemakers to stand by should the polls show him losing the election. Mr Biden savaged the president's performance on COVID-19 and his meagre tax paying, but seemed on shakier ground when attacking his economic record. Ultimately, neither candidate dealt a knockout blow. 
With his healthy lead in the polls and having sidestepped doubts about how his sometimes wobbly demeanour would hold up against a bellicose opponent, Mr Biden will be the happier. The biggest loser is America's political discourse. Never has it been so low. Into the public sphere. Palantir's flotation. Will Palantir's listing today be as spectacular as that of Snowflake, the provider of cloud database services whose shares more than doubled on the first day of trading earlier this month? The answer is probably not. For one, the firm, which also sells data management software, will list directly. That means the initial price is set by supply and demand instead of investment bankers, who tend to underprice to trigger a big pop. It is also shedding a lot of money. Last year, it lost $580 million on revenue of $742 million. And its governance structure is shareholder unfriendly. The founders' voting power could increase when they sell their stakes, thanks to several special classes of shares. Still, given the current appetite for tech investments, Palantir is unlikely to flop. If recent private trades are any guide, it could end up being worth over $20 billion. Not bad for a firm that in its 17-year history has never made a profit. Mad Dash Peru's first election hurdle Peru's parties are racing to register their candidates by the end of today, the first big deadline ahead of next April's general election. Under the country's electoral system, hopefuls must join one of the 24 national parties if they want to run for president or congress. Martín Vizcarra, the incumbent, will not be one of them. Presidents can only serve one term. Because of the pandemic, parties will bypass primaries this year, with bigwigs giving their chosen contenders the nod instead. With hours to go, five parties that have never elected candidates to Congress are still looking for a headliner to grab attention, while some heavyweights have landed in unexpected places. Hernando de Soto, Peru's best-known economist, who turns 80 next year, appears headed for a presidential run with Avanza Pais, go on country. The 20-year-old party had its best ever showing in January's congressional elections, but that still only amounted to 2.5% of the vote. Brexit on the brink. Britain and the EU. Almost three weeks ago, the European Union set Boris Johnson's government a deadline of today to withdraw clauses in its internal market bill. Those clauses seek to override provisions relating to Northern Ireland in the Brexit treaty that was ratified in January. But Michael Gove, Britain's Cabinet Office Minister, is refusing, arguing that the clauses are a safety net to protect trade between Great Britain and Northern Ireland if no trade deal is agreed by the end of December. The EU is threatening legal action against such treaty breaking, but as the offending bill is not yet law, it is continuing this week's trade talks. Despite optimistic talk about an imminent deal, the two sides remain far apart over access to British fishing waters and rules against state subsidies. Both see the EU summit in mid-October as the last chance for any deal. Although Brexit deadlines are often missed, the next two weeks could be nervy. Green Ambitions The UN's Biodiversity Summit World leaders will gather in front of their webcams today to talk flora and fauna. The meeting comes at a gloomy time for eco-activists. 
Earlier this month, the UN announced that of the biodiversity targets it set in 2010, which include eliminating subsidies for activities harmful to biodiversity and halving the rate of loss for natural habitats, not one has been fully achieved. Another report found that since 1970, animal populations have fallen by an average of 68%. But ahead of the summit, leaders from 64 countries have pledged to put biodiversity, climate and the environment at the heart of their COVID-19 recovery strategies. What this means in practice is unclear. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, has promised that 30% of the country's land will be protected from development by 2030, up from 26% today. Ten years to reach such a target seems plenty. Then again, that is how long leaders gave themselves last time. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Rumi, who was born on this day in 1207. Yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I am changing myself. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 